Yeah, yeah. What is good? Everybody out there in King's Land, and even if you're not in King's Land, welcome to King's Land. You know the vibes, baby. J Street Vibes in the building. It's your man's Kenny Careway in the building. And this is Jason Jones calling on a recorded line. Uh, <laughs> Jason Jones pulling AKA a shine. A- he pulling a shine a- today. A- yeah, the ATT man went to <laughs> fix someone else's cable in my play, in my apartment complex and messed up mine. And I got the the wonderful, hey, we can get your internet back up on Tuesday. I'm like, but wow. it's Friday. So like, they're like, well, we know, but we can't get anyone there. So yay. That is cold game. Wow, that's cold game. Not even like, yeah, we're fixing it right now. Don't worry. Just, yeah, we'll get to you on Tuesday. Not even Monday, Tuesday. Yeah, the, I literally saw the dude's truck leaving. I'm like, tell him to come back and fix it. They were like, well, we can't do that. I'm like, I literally just saw this man leave. So, of course, the day I have no internet, uh, Vlade Divac resigns, and Ooh. I got to use my phone as the hotspot to try to write. It's awesome. Man, so, I mean, that really is... The um the the story that shook the world for a little bit. I mean, Jason, um, I heard you earlier in the morning on local radio. I'm not gonna name any names because you guys know what I'm doing nowadays. So it's just a local radio. Um, unless we're talking about ESPN 1320, then we we saying that all day. If we talk about ESPN 1320, we saying that all day. You know what I'm saying? But you know, I'm riding for the home team. But anyway, heard you on local radio that morning. And I was in a complete agreement with you. We did a podcast about it. Um, you reiterated. We, we were all on the same page. Vladi Divac ain't going nowhere. Absolutely nowhere anytime soon. So get used to him. And then in about eight hours, it just all went to hell in a handbasket, Jason. You wrote, you teamed up with Sam Amick, um, wrote uh, a piece on everything that happened. I'm just going to let you take the floor and break this thing down for those who who didn't read uh, the story or who read it, and like myself, and want to just hear from your from your mouth. How, how did all this go down? Uh, the way I kind of look at it is, it goes back to and the way I've said it. What got Vladi in trouble from the start? Kind of ego. Mm-hmm. In 2015, he should have been, you know, if he was going to be, you know, in the organization, he should have been getting people in to make decisions, not been the decision maker. He didn't know what he was doing. I mean, and there's no shame in that. He didn't know. But he kind of took the reins himself, and you saw what that got him. And then, you know, uh, Vivek pretty much called him up and said, hey, you know, I want Joe Dumars to have the final say on these on decisions. And that's not what Vlade signed up for. So Vlade, like, I quit. I'm not going to stick around and answer to Joe Dumars. And this is one of those things where, you kind of knew, I mean, just from talking to people, that Joe was going to have more say or more influence or more input. I didn't know it would go to the point to where Vivek would be telling Vlade, Joe's going to make decisions. But it kind of follows a pattern that's happened while Vlade was in charge. He might have had, you know, the title of the final decision maker, but Vivek was always trying to get someone there to help, to kind of be in, you know, to be a guy who could kind of guide or assist, whether it was a Scott Perry in 2017 or a Brandon Williams, you know, after Scott Perry. There was always trying to get someone, and then they added Joe Dumars as an advisor last year. And you didn't see a whole lot of Joe Joe around, you know. The word was Joe and Vlade had a good relationship, but, you know, 
Joe's lingering around. Joe's got that championship ring from 2004. The Kings aren't good. And really much the Kings, as we talked about it before, were kind of in a crossroads, so to speak, or as I call it, basketball hell. A whole lot of money tied into a team that's not very good and can't get a whole lot better for where they are. Unless, you know, De'Aaron Fox becomes Russell Westbrook over the summer, or in this case, <laughs> over the, you know, over the football season, or what would be the time of the football season. So, yeah, Vlade was like, if, I, if I'm not the man, I don't want this job. And then Paige was like, I'm out too. So, it leaves Joe, and it leaves one assistant general manager, Ken Catanella, who, I, I, oddly enough, worked for Joe Dumars in Detroit. And now it's going to be up to Joe, he's you know interim VP and general manager, to not just kind of serve in that role, but also kind of give the Kings a framework of how their front office should operate. And Joe takes a lot of shit from for drafting Darko over, and, you know, and it, it's been compared to Luca. I will say this for Joe: the difference was was that a lot of people had Darko Milicic number two on their boards. And it wasn't like it was it wasn't nearly as panned as, you know, it wasn't it's not the same as it was with Luca. But I think people overlooked the fact that if you look at the people who were on that on under Joe in Detroit, John Hammond, you know, Scott Perry, Ken Catanelli, you know, he built a very good team in Detroit. And that's what the Kings need. They need a team right now. They got a. The, uh, the the way it was set up was it just it, it wasn't built for success. And I think the Kings suffered from that. You know, especially early on when you can't get guys to come work out for you before the draft and you got a lottery pick. You know, I think the Kings suffered from that. And as a result, you look at their roster. For a team that's been in the lottery as much as they have been, they should have way more young talent. more Way more young prospects. But they don't. So Joe's got to come in and they're, they're not going to rush this thing. They're, they're not going to try to hire a GM in a week or two. Joe's going to pretty much run this thing and get, have the latitude to build this thing as he sees fit until they get a fully functioning front office. So let me ask you this, Jason. Why isn't Joe Dumars just the GM and not this whole interim tag? Because the thing that has me worried that I don't like is when you see reports and you kind of just touch on it a little bit of people talking about the Kings are willing to slow cook this whole thing and they may not have a GM in place by the draft or free agency or maybe even for the next year. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, oh, wait, how are we, what, wait a minute, what are we doing here? And I feel like if Joe Dumars has any interest at all in being the uh, general manager, why not just, why not just make it happen so you can have some kind of consistency, some kind of continuity with this franchise right now, because the way I see it, there's none of that. Everything is up in the air. We don't know what the future holds as far as the direction of this front office. And that bothers me. That bothers me a lot. So uh, what what are you hearing about Joe Dumars? Does he want that position or is he just doing it like I'll do it for now, but I'm looking for somebody else to take over? I think Joe wants to hire a general man. I think Joe would love to, from what I've heard, be in the position where kind of like a, if you look at like a Pat Riley, like you're in charge of everything. You don't have to do the day-to-day stuff, but you're in charge of everything. Mm-hmm. You know, a Jerry West type guy where you have a guy who runs everything as a general manager. And I think that there's that setup with several guys around the league where 
you know, whatever the case may be, like where maybe an R.C. Buford gets a new title, but there's a guy under him who's the GM, so to speak. Right. So I think that's, that that would be the long-term goal. I think with the, what they're doing by not putting the, uh, by keeping the interim tags and you know, kind of making it clear that Joe don't want to be the GM. Gotcha. Joe wants to be, you know, the big wig, so to speak. Joe would like to be the senior guy above that. But I don't think they also want to be in a position where they've been before, where your GM is trying to set all this stuff up. Hmm. So I think they definitely, you know, and, and, I, and I'll even go back to 2013, with Vivek, people don't may not know. Maybe I think it may have been written. Maybe it hasn't been written. When Pete D'Alessandro was hired as general manager, one of the ideas at the time was to bring in Chris Wallace, who had been in Memphis and had kind of lost, you know, lost his uh, you know, power, so to speak. Mm-hmm. The new ownership was like to bring in Chris Wallace to be the vice president of basketball, and then bring in Pete D'Alessandro to be the GM. So this is not a this is not a new idea with the under Vivek's uh, ownership. It's just never been done because I think technically Vlade was like the little vice president, blah blah blah. But he was also the general manager. And one of the problems they had was that how do you hire a GM or an assistant GM or whatever the case may be when that person and I heard that from actual candidates who interviewed, they were like, "Why would I come there to work for someone I'm more qualified than?" Mm. And mm. that was the issue they had. They finally were able to kind of get some stuff going. But even then, it was like when you had, you know, I, I know there were people who were kind of irked because uh, in 2017 when Scott Perry was there, because Scott was getting all this praise. Like, wow, it's amazing. They actually got guys coming in to work out. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just so crazy. Then, you know, even with uh, when Brandon Williams, there was a feeling that Brandon was getting or taking too much credit. For things that were going well. So I just think back to your point, it's just I think Joe would necessarily doesn't want the day to day grind of a GM, but it would probably do a lot for him to be able to put his input stamp on the the way things are set up. He could still, you know, be a vice president, but it wouldn't be he wouldn't have to do that day to day grind that the GM does. And I think the last person they had doing that day to day GM type grind was Brandon Williams. And he, of course, got fired with the whole Dave Yeager situation. So two things are, and, and this is this is why we have the man himself, Jason Jones, on the J Street Vibes. And this is this is why we might be the number one Kings podcast in the game right now. I'm just saying it right now. Because it's helping me get understanding of this whole situation. On the surface, on the surface, and initially, it sounded like a knee-jerk decision from Vivek. It sounded like they had no plan in place and they were just kind of winging this thing. It honestly, Jason, sounded like Vivek had been reading Twitter and said, I can't let this go on. (laughs) And that bothered the hell out of me. Not that it's necessarily the wrong decision to get rid of Vladi. I understand that. But the thing that worried me the most was that you would get rid of Vladi and just do it because that's what the people wanted and you had no plan in place. So hearing that there actually is some semblance of a structure maybe maybe being built with Joe D saying, hey, I want to be the head guy. I want a GM under me, things of that nature. I, I'm feeling better about this. After this little first 10 minutes that we've had, I'm feeling better about this. The other thing that I'm starting to realize after talking to you, and I think our conversation here kind of sheds a little more light on it than even 
in the article that you wrote with Sam Amy is a lot of people were talking about um, Vadi Divot's a man of his word. And he said, if we weren't where we were supposed to be in two years, I would step down. And we were like, oh, yeah, we got to give kudos to Vadi because, you know, he stuck to his word and all this other stuff. And I love Vadi Divac. I, I just don't have no ill will for him at all. He is um, maybe the most important figure in the history of Sacramento Kings basketball. But after our conversation just now, I don't think it was anything about him standing <laughs> standing by his word or anything like that. It was the fact that he didn't want to let go of any of the power. And he said, if I don't have the power that I want, I'm out of here. Is that accurate? Exactly. That's exactly what it was. It wasn't, you know, because people forget that promise was made for two years. And technically, two years later, they were in a better spot, technically. So they were better in two years. No, hold on, hold on, Jay. I don't mean to interrupt you. I don't mean to interrupt you, but I agree with you. I think they're in a better spot than they were two years ago. A lot of people say they're just in the same spot. I think they're in a, no, a little I, no, bit No, I mean spot. two years from the trade of the markets. They, they were in a better spot last year. Oh, last year. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, last year they were in a better spot, you know, from when they traded DeMarcus. But I don't know if they're better right now. But And even with that, it wasn't about him keeping his word. It was about not being in power. I mean, the man signed an extension last year. He wasn't planning on going anywhere. Right. And, you know, but he's getting his money. So, hey, I'd leave, you know, <laughs> if I'm going to get my money and bounce, you know, so I'm pretty sure Paige got his coin. As long as that know. bag is secure. <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't need, you know, if I can't beat a man, I don't need this. And the thing is, over this, people don't, under, don't know or understand that over these years, Vivek has always been kind of asking around, trying to get some help. Remember a couple of years ago, there was the whole, Sam, the, the Kings got permission to talk to Sam Hinkie. Mm-hmm. So it's not as if they haven't known they had an issue upstairs. It was just mm-hmm. a matter of what do you do about it? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's why I said Scott Perry was around. That's why Brandon, that's why these guys were brought in. I, I think it's always been clear that they had an issue. Mm-hmm. But it was, hot. like I said, how do you handle it? What do you do? And part of it is, is that everyone likes Vlade. And I think everyone, and I think as somebody told me once, the way things were supposed to go was that it would be Vlade came back and saved the franchise. That's the story everyone wanted to be able to tell. So you were going to do all you could to help him succeed because the narrative couldn't be Brandon Williams helped save the Kings. It couldn't be Scott Perry saved the Kings. It couldn't be this guy. It had to be Vlade saved the Kings. And it wasn't happening. And... It wasn't close to happening, and you're you're about to be in a situation where, you know what, you're, you're going to be looking at 14, 15, 16, 17 years of no playoffs. And, <laughs> you know, and no amount of firing coaches or and all that was going to change that. And it's, it's, it's funny was when, when the word broke that Peja was stepping down, George Carl even tweeted, that's right, tear it all down and build it up <laughs> and empower those people to do their jobs. I was like, George coming off, off the top rope. <laughs> <laughs> With the flying elbow. You know, I, I, George Carl's name had been mud um, for, for a while here in Sacramento after his tenure. Uh, after that podcast he did on, on his own podcast about the Kings and just seeing the things that he said um, since then, and I know he had an interaction with you a little bit. I, mm-hmm. I'm, I've com- I'm doing a 180 on George Carl. He may be a dick. He may be a dick, but he's not wrong a lot of the time. He's truthful, and he, I saw the same tweet, and I was like, 
I agree with you, George. <laughs> I hear what you're yeah, saying, George. Yeah, and, and, and his podcast, nothing he said wasn't true. Some of it might have been from his point of view, but yeah, like when, when Vlade was hired, they had no idea what Vlade's what he was doing. They're like, what's he doing? Like, what's his job? Hmm. Like, you had a GM, and it's like, is, he, is Vlade his boss? Like, what is this? Right. You know, and... You know, I mean, it, a lot of the stuff George said was was spot on. It was like, yeah, you're letting the guy run your draft who's never done this before. Mm. And you've got, what, the sixth, seventh pick in the draft that year? You can't miss on, you know, you just can't keep, and you drafted a center? Mm. <laughs> you nice. know, and it was kind of like the notion that he was going for what he knows. He knows big guys, and he knows European players. Which is why the whole Luca thing is still puzzling. Like, why? You know, it's almost like he oh, he outthunk himself. Right. It was like right. I'm not going to take the guy everyone assumes I'm going to take. I'm going to prove. I'm going to show you how smart I am. And it was, you know, and I, I said before, he chose four people over Luca. He chose De'Aaron Fox, Buddy Hield, Bogdan Bogdanovich, and Marvin Bagley. All of them because he did not want to mess up the other three guys, and he took Bagley. So, I mean, yeah, it's almost like he was, it was like of all the times you should take the European player, you don't. So, yeah, I just, it's, it's a, yeah, it's, you know, I've gotten messages from people who used to work with the team, you know, people around the league going, oh man, you know, hey, you know, what are they, what are they going to do? Just because this is kind of one of the consensus people have told me, they got to, they got to break, they got to, you know, basically tear that thing down, so to speak. You gotta, you know, get some get some accountability and on from from top to bottom. Put some accountability on those players, you know, and see what you got next year. You know, right now Luke Walton is safe, but you know, you know, we all know these, when we have these transitions happen. The coach rarely survives more than a year after the transition. So you know, I don't know what they're gonna do, but they've, you know, it's gonna be another to me. It's gonna be a, a prove it year for everyone, you know. Who's on who? Who's who? If they if they aren't dealt before the season, approve it year for everyone. You know, De'Aaron. You know, but the, here's the thing with that too: they gotta make a decision on De'Aaron. Do you offer the extension now? Do you wait? You know, what do you do? You know, I think I think if it was Vlade, no question, De'Aaron was getting that extension offer this off season. I don't know what Joe thinks of De'Aaron. I, I think Ray Charles sees that De'Aaron should get that extension, but I mean, yeah, you know, you but know. you know, but the, it's almost kind of like based on their financial situation, you know. I mean, I think no matter whether you offer it, I think I think they have to offer it. But I, I just wonder what it means for the rest of the roster. You know, does Joe look to move Buddy? Does he look to move Harrison? Does he decline Bealitz's option? Does he let Harry Giles walk? Does he let all these other guys walk? Does he try to completely rebuild his, re, re, try to rebuild this roster to, in essence, minimize kind of the uh, the length of the rebuild the most he can? But I think it's clear to anyone who watched that team play in Orlando, the roster needs a major shakeup. And I'm not sure that if Vlade was in charge, their roster would have gotten a shakeup. I think Vlade might have been too married to his players mm, because yeah. they were his guys. Right. And there has to be a certain level of detachment up there. And I just think, and I've said it before, I think Vlade was almost in that, was too buddy-buddy with him. Because mm-hmm. he was, in, in a lot of ways, Vlade was still a player. Right. right. And it, it's kind of what somebody in the NFL once told me. There's a reason why you can't let a coach be a GM. 
because the coach, you, you need your guy making the decisions to have a level of distance. You know, he's got to see the big picture. He's got to see, you know what, I may like him, but I got to get rid of him. And, you know, rare are the guys who can separate him well enough. I mean, like Belichick is like a freak of nature. He'll cut anybody. <laughs> You know, but a lot of guys no, can't no do that. In a lot of ways, Vlade was still, you know, because he was still cool with the, the guys. Like, even after last season when the guys were complaining to him about Jaeger, it's like, why do you care what they got to say? And even though Jaeger was going to get fired anyway, Jaeger was out of pocket with some of the stuff he was already doing. But it to me, it sent the, the players took that as not so much that Dave did things to get fired. They took it as they got Dave fired which was a problem because now you've got these guys essentially wilding out because they're like, uh-huh, you know, that's how you show up and go 0-5 because you think you're really good and you're really not really good. So, I mean, there's to me, there's all type of things they got to look at, you know, and I think, you know, Joe, I think I had a story came out Sunday, you know, Joe's not just dealing with the Vlade 10, you know, this, this thing with them has gone on for 10 plus years going back to the Maloose with the front office issues where you've got a, you got a front office has to make trades to make money, <laughs> you know, you know, then you've got Pete DeLisandro, then you go to Vlad, you know, th- th- this is not a, a quick fix. And I think as much as I know you, you see fans saying we deserve better. They don't want to hear it. They're going to have to be patient because you, you're not going to fix this overnight unless you somehow get lucky in a draft and you get a generational LeBron you know, type player or a Luca. You know, you got to get a guy like that, a Blake Griffin, a guy who's going to come in and boom, automatically inject excitement and be an all-star within a couple of years. And I don't know if that guy's in this draft. Maybe it's the next draft that guy comes out. Right. The um, yeah, man, that was that was some great stuff. All great points. One of the things that came up, and and once again, talking to you and reading your stuff, it came up about um, Vivek bringing in Dumars um, a year ago and kind of meddling in the basketball side, right? And over the weekend, he's, he's ten, he seemed to get a little bit of um, flack for that, right? People were like, I wish he'd just stay away from the basketball side and all this other stuff. After hearing you explain it and hearing you talk, it kind of seems like Vivek kind of realized what was going on and kind of was doing what everybody was saying, like, yo, Vladi's overmatched. He needs help. And like you said, because he liked Vladi, because he respected him, because he wanted that storybook ending, he didn't um, just bogart the situation. It was just like, all right, well, let me ease Joe in here because, like, regardless of how it is, the man needs help. Like, it ain't happening right now. (laughs) And he tried to do it in the most subtle, most respectful way, until it kind of came to a head this week. And he said, yo, this is what I want to do. If you would it, cool. If you're not, I don't know what to tell you because this is what's going to happen. But I, I, I think after more understanding of what happened, I say all that to say, people were really upset with Vivek, I think definitely on Friday evening, Friday night, even into Saturday. He needs to quit meddling in the basketball stuff. And hearing you speak about it, it kind of seems like, He's in a weird way kind of doing what everybody said he should have been doing. Am I, am I right with yeah, that? Yeah, I don't understand how you're upset, how people can be upset. It's like y'all said y'all wanted change. And 
there's change, but it's it, what I what it is. It's not the change people wanted. I'm like, I'm sorry, Masai Ujiri ain't quitting Toronto and coming to Sacramento. Thank you. R.C. Buford <laughs> ain't leaving San Antonio to come to Sacramento. Yeah. You know what? You know, I don't. I don't know what these what people who were complaining. You know, well, what has Joe Dumars ever done? I said, for God's sake, y'all were happy that Vlade showed up. He had zero experience. Joe has been an executive of the year and won a championship. Yeah, it ended badly in Detroit. They had some bad contracts and so on and so forth. But, you know, but if anyone who's been in this business any length of time is going to have some bad deals and bad draft picks. Believe it or not, even during their Warriors run, how many of them picks they made in the first round amounted to anything? It happens. You know, they've they've made some deals they regret, you know, maybe regretted. They they traded for D'Angelo Russell and he was gone by the break. So, I mean, it happens, you know, you make the best of it, you know, you try to get what you can, you know, you try to maybe think two or three moves ahead, which is probably what the Warriors did with D'Angelo, figuring, hey, we'll get Clay back at some point. He can't be here forever, you know, but you've always, you know, every every front office has made some some decisions that they regret, every one of them. But the fact is the Kings needed someone to come in with some credibility, someone with some, with, you know, I think one thing that Vlade didn't have when he came in too was the connections around the league, and that matters. You know, Joe's got the connections. I mean, I'm sure Vlade developed more over time, but it's like how many trade. You know, we don't need. You know, we don't need Sam Hinkie walking you through a trade that's going to screw you over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and even some of the trades they made to get second round picks. You know, instead of keeping those young guys like. Gary Trent wouldn't look bad in the Kings uniform right now. Hell I don't think. no. I liked Gary Trent when they made that. I was like, oh, snap. They got him in the second round. That'd be a good look. And, like, I don't think he made it past draft day. No, they traded him that night. You know, so, I mean, you know, <laughs> you know, just, you know, there's so many decisions. I'm, like, I'm looking up there. Winion Gabriel's getting minutes. Yeah. And I'm like, is it big minutes? No. But I look at it like this. You developed this guy, but you had to trade him because you had to get off of giving Trevor Ariza a two-year, $25 million deal, a deal that probably most teams wouldn't have gave Trevor. So it's good to say we have draft capital that we can move, but stop giving out bad deals. You shouldn't have to send those second-round picks anywhere to get off of the Wayne Detman deal because you shouldn't have signed the deal. <laughs> you know, you know, and I think people were like, "Oh, at least he." It's like at least he owned up to it. It's like there's too many. At least he owned up to it. Deals the Papa Giannis thing. They had to cut. They had to cut him. Well, at least he owned up. They messed up. You used the third. You used the first round, the thirteenth overall pick on a guy you cut eighteen months later. That is not good. Don't you don't get props for that. Yeah, that's inexcusable. Inexcusable. That guy didn't get. And you had already extended him for the next year, and he didn't even get through the second year. There were too many. Well, at least he at least he made he admitted he was wrong. You know, when you're the Sacramento Kings, where you're not going to be able to wait around and say, you know what, we'll just sign Kevin Durant this summer, or we'll just sign Kyrie, or was it? When you're the Sacramento Kings, you can't have a bunch of my bads. Oops, my bad. Oops, my bad. You can't have a bunch of those. And I mean, the one thing is, I think Vlade had too many. Oops, my bads. Uh, I, I just you know, like I said, I I, I still contend that. I believe that Vladi should have gotten the year to see it through with his team, injuries and all this other stuff. But it's it's hard to make a defense for him to stay when you break down his resume. I get it. Like I I get it. Even um even when 
you know, I would go back and forth with people about, you know, no, I think he should stay. He should be around for another year or whatever. And they would run down his list of um, misses. I, I get it. I get why he should be on thin ice. And we talked about this just a week ago. Like, there's no more chances um, involved. I guess my biggest concern, Jason, and it may be inevitable, is it was like people would talk about 14, 15 years with no playoffs. You make a change, and you probably think anything could happen, but you're probably going to extend that thing to closer to 20. You know what I'm saying? Because the reality is it probably needs to be ripped all the way down. And I don't even really know what that looks like. De'Aaron Fox is 22 years old. Do you sign him to an extension and ask him, hey, wait this out so by the time that you're um, an unrestricted free agent, we're decent, and hopefully you re-sign? Like, what does that even look like? You know what I'm saying? And yeah. There was so I mean, many question I mean, marks. And going I just, into the draft, I don't know. They can't. They got to take the best player. Of you know, you, you can't be worried about well, what is this guy's position? You know, and that's got him in trouble before. Well, well, that did, actually it didn't. They kept drafting power forwards and centers for some reason. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then you you know when you look at some of the guys they passed on, it was like even then when they took Willie Collins Stein, you could have took a flyer on a guy named Devin Booker. Mm. You know, you could. I said because I remember that night. It was funny. Funny story. Uh, Vlade comes out. Uh, he asked, "You guys like the pick?" Myself and Sean Cunningham both said, "No." <laughs> I, I I like the Willie pick, by the way. And full disclosure, I like the Willie pick. I thought it was. We good. were both like, "No." He's like, "Why?" I said, "We were like." He's like, "Well, we have to fix our defense." I'm like, "But he's a center, and you have." And my thing was. You have, I said, my thing was this, even in 2015, I'm like, you may only have Rudy a couple of more years. You need some young wings. And the the way the league was already begin to shift, I was like, why are you drafting another seven footer? And then you went out inside Costa. <laughs> now that now we're getting out of control. <laughs> so now I was we're like, no, I don't like, cause I, cause I said, my thing was, I, I like Willie. I was like, but. Why are you drafting a seven footer when your center just made the all star team? <laughs> Yo, know, and I, I remember that that was one of the funny things. Me and Sean Cunningham were like, "No, we don't like this pick," you know. And it was like I was like, "Take." I think I think we were both probably wrong in the player we liked. I think he liked wins a lot, of, and I liked Moutier. I was like, "You ain't got a point guard," you know. You ain't got nobody young who can dribble the ball. All you got is like. The, the, they might have had Darren Collison, but that was it. They had let IT walk the year before, previous regime. So I was like, I might have liked Moutier. He might have liked Winslow. But either, either either way, we were both don't take a center. And then you find out from George Carl later on, he wanted to trade down. You know, and like, hey, he said, I think he said the player he wanted them to get was like Gerald Henderson. He's like, you know what, he, is he a star? No. But he's like on a roster that does not have enough talent. He's a solid rotational player. We can trade down some spots and maybe get a guy who can still help us, but not invest in a high pick on a guy who's, you know, maybe, you know, especially he's a center. (laughs) He was a center. That didn't work out. See, my thought was that he would play next to Cuz and he would do all the dirty work and that would allow Cuz to rebound and score buckets. He wouldn't have to protect the rim and all this other stuff. That was my thought. That was the way I saw it. But, I mean, Willie Willie also was a lot better in college. Like he was doing, Willie didn't want to do dirty work. Willie wanted to well, score. Well, he did that in college with Carl Anthony Towns. 
I would watch them a lot. And he would let Carl Anthony Towns go to work. And he would do, you know, tip slams, defending the basket, rim running, and things of that nature. And I thought he'd be able to do the same things in Sacramento. And he just really didn't. <laughs> he just well, really because people are afraid all. of Coach Cal. You know, Coach Cal don't play that shit. <laughs> you know, Cuz was like, Coach Cal told me I couldn't shoot outside of 15 feet. Mm. Or I would sit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was a different, it was a different ball game with Coach Cal. You know, yeah. and just he, Willie got to the lead. I was not. I remember people used to say Willie could beat Tyson Chandler. Willie wanted no part of being Tyson Chandler. <laughs> Willie's like, no, I got way more to my game than being a damn Tyson. So I mean, it was just. And the thing is, you would think in the interview process and talking to him, you might have learned that. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there was just so many just kind of just mishaps. And then I wrote about this, I think it was a couple of years ago. People were like, well, why does Willie want to show off all this offense? Then you talk to Willie and find out after his rookie year, Peja is working with him shooting threes. (sighs) So (sighs) I was like, y'all can be mad at Willie all you want. But when when the future assistant GM has the rookie or at the end of his rookie year working on his three point shot. What you think he want to do when he come back? He don't want to rebound and play and block shots. He want to show that he worked on that jump shot that Peja worked with him on. And, then, yeah. and Willie was like, see, people, y'all mad at me. Flotty and Peja told me to work on that shit. <laughs> so, <laughs> like I said, there's just so many different things that happened. You know, you know, and I know in Peja, I asked them all about it. They were like, well, maybe, you know, it wasn't that big of a deal. You're trying to you know, get some work in with him. And they were trying to figure out the best way to work with Willie. And it's just like, man, it's, it's, it's exhausting when you just kind of break it all down. You know, you got it right with Fox. But then, you know, then at 15 and 20, you take Justin Jackson and you take, you know, Harry. You know, you pass on a guy like Kyle Kuzma twice. Mm. You trade Justin to get Harrison. And now Harry can walk too. So it's like, mm. you know, and you know, and every, you know, so it's just like, and everyone's like, well, see, they they clearly won the Demarcus trade. I said you won the trade because Demarcus is hurt. I said because <laughs> now you're paying Buddy Hill damn near max money, or you know, not damn near, but you know, a hefty salary, and you may end up trading him too. I hope so. So. So, I mean, there's just so much. There's there's a lot to clean up. There's a whole lot to clean up with the situation. And and we haven't even touched on what's going to happen with the coach. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, I think that's uh, dead man walking right now, whether it's at the end. Like, they would have to be phenomenal for him to uh, continue as the coach as the Sacramento Kings. Yeah. And I've heard I've heard varying degrees of whether or not Luke could be a Jody guy. And I honestly think if he strips it down, that helps Luke. Because maybe Luke's greatest gift is that he's, you know, maybe that helps him that if you strip it down and there's no pressure to win. Mm-hmm. And then you just play the young guys and let me, I don't know what you do, but a lot of it I think will have to do with this roster. A lot will have to do with how he, you know, how he places Igor Kakok. You know, I'm saying his name. He got extra K's. I do not say <laughs> Igor. That. We'll just leave it. Igor Kakoskov. You know, I'm sorry. You know, I just be you know, folks. I have a speech impediment from growing up. Occasionally, that pops up, and when a guy has that a couple of extra K's in his name, I might stutter on it a little bit. But y'all know, what I mean, his lead assistant who uh, went over to coach in Turkey. So a lot of it will depend on that. You know, I can imagine Luke being wary of bringing in, say, a Joe D guy, because you know how that works. You bring mm-hmm. in your guy to be a lead assistant. When you fire my ass, 
there's my head coach right there. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I've seen, you know, we see GMs do it all the time. So I can imagine Luke would be Leary, but a lot of Luke's allies who would have been lead assistants have jobs now. Right. You know, right. he ain't getting B-Shaw. He ain't getting J.B. Bickerstaff. <laughs> you know, and it, it, it's just funny. I can kind of see some of the stuff playing out, how it's played out before with the Kings when the Kings were trying to make Michael Malone hire Kurt Rambis to be his lead assistant. Mm. And he ended up going with with uh, Tyrone Corbin and Parker. He knew Ty, and he was like, "If you're gonna get," he said, "He said, if I'm not gonna hire someone who I know wants to backstab me." <laughs> <laughs> He's like, "If I get fired and they got to go to Ty, at least I like Ty, but I'm not gonna hire someone who's here to take my job." Right. You know. So yeah. I mean, I just, I mean, there's gonna be a lot of just backdrops to this, and you know, maybe if you're De'Aaron, De- I mean, I, I well, I was gonna say, do you wait? I'm like, no. If they offer the max, you take it because what history has shown us is that. They can always trade you. Yeah. You can always yeah. get out, but you don't turn down that money. You you sign the deal. So, I mean, there's there's a lot to sort out with this team, a whole lot to sort. I don't know what you do with it. You know, I think I, you know, people I've talked to around the league who know Joe have told me, "Don't worry. Joe's going to get this thing sorted out." I'm like, "We'll see." You know, it's, it's a whole lot of shit to sort out. I'm not I'm not completely uh confident in Joe Dumars at all. Um, but I got to be honest with you, Jason, after talking to you and hearing the full story about this whole thing, I feel better because I'm, I'm actually okay with Joe D trying to be the top guy and bringing in a general manager. I didn't, I mean, I guess he's still making the decisions at the end of the day, but I, I thought, I didn't think that was the answer. If Joe D and, and he still might end up being the general manager. That's nothing's been set in stone. But from hearing what you have to say and hearing what others have to say, I think he wants to be like that president of basketball ops and then bring in uh, a GM. And um, yeah, I feel yeah, better. I don't know about which way that. he goes because he knows a lot of people. I know the first name I heard out there was Scott Perry. You know, maybe with Leon Rose taking over in New York, maybe they'd be more inclined to let Scott bounce. <laughs> and come back to Sacramento. Maybe the Kings can give them some compensation the same way the Kings were compensated for letting him go. You know, he knows a lot of people around the league. You know, like I said, you know, Cadena- Ken Catanella, who's who's on. That's the, the thing, Jason. Like, I I really believe the Kings really because you don't have like you're not a Los Angeles or Miami or nothing like that. Bringing in somebody that can build relationships, I think is important. I don't think it's the only thing, but that somebody that knows uh, people across the landscape of the NBA world is good with agents. You know what I'm saying? Because that's another thing that kind of um, I've heard from a number of different channels that the relationship between Vladi and a number of different agents wasn't, it wasn't that great moving forward. You know what I mean? And you get somebody that's good in the agent world. These guys respect, they trust, you know, I think that can't obviously it can't do anything but help. So I think that would be, you know, that and, and, you know, creating a a true pipeline and a true plan to develop players um, coming from Stockton and things of that nature. I think those are the top two things right there. Relationships and development. Yeah, and I think they've actually gotten a whole lot better with the G League situation. It's way better than it was years ago. You know, in terms of the, you know, the connection, working together, Anthony McClish, their GM, worked for the Kings. Mm-hmm. You know, in Sacramento, so that, I mean, there's a, there's a, they have, there's a working relationship that's really good. I think there's some things that they have done better under Vladi. That's one of them. 
but there's just other things that in order to become a, a good team, they still got to work on. And among them is just those relationships around the league. And I know when Scott was around in 2017 before they drafted De'Aaron, uh, one thing I had people around the league tell me, the only reason why my guy even talked to the Kings because of Scott Perry. Yeah, I heard, I heard He was like, because literally I had agents and people telling me, man, I don't fuck with the Kings. <laughs> but, you know, and <laughs> those of you know, you know, you know, when someone says, I don't fuck with you. <laughs> yeah, they don't fuck with you. <laughs> that, that, that's not like a, hey, we're cool, you know, we just, no, I don't it's fuck with you. No mean, circumstances. Don't speak to me. <laughs> And there's some agents out there to this day who were like, man, I hope they never draft my guy. I don't need to deal with that shit in Sacramento. So when Scott was around, I had guys, let me forget that year, they were picking fifth. But among the, like Josh Jackson still met with them. Markel Fultz still talked to them. I mean, you know, a lot of these guys who didn't have to talk to them still did because of the relationship with Scott Perry. And you've got to, you know, if you, so, I mean, I, I've been a witness to it that those relationships do matter. And so, I had you know, when Scott was there, I didn't hear the same things that I heard beforehand. And then afterwards, you still heard stuff, you know, well, they, you know, I think, you know, you know, they still don't know what they're doing. They still don't know what they're doing. <laughs> you know, I didn't know how true it was. I thought some of it was just kind of being unfair to Vlade. Like, mm-hmm. oh, he's just a big dumb guy, you know, blah, blah, blah. Big dumb guy don't know what he's doing. I thought it was kind of unfair. But, hey, Joe's done this before. I do, I do wonder just in terms of the time away. It's been six years, which isn't a long time, but. The, the NBA the game game's changed, a lot different man. in the last six to ten years. The game has changed. <laughs> yeah, so I, I do believe Joe has been around enough. And I think it's helped that he's been around the Kings off and on for a year. But he knows enough to know that he has to get people in to help him. Like I said, it, to me, having Ken Catanella already there is a big boost for Joe. Because Joe knows Ken. So I think that's a big help for him. And then, you know... You look around, you know, the league, who's out there. Like I said, I know guys I mentioned, but we mentioned before, I said, you know, a couple of guys, the Clippers, Mark Hughes or D Brown, you know, guys who know Sacramento. You look around, you know, maybe somebody under Masai, Masai Ujiri. You know, I think for, for the longest, the Kings have been too obsessed with either trying to mimic San Antonio or Golden State. You got to take a big, wide look at this thing. You got to look at what Denver's done, you know, Denver hasn't landed, you know, what I guess Millsap would be their big free agent. But, you know, Denver's built that thing internally. Look around the league. Milwaukee's built their, they haven't relied on, you know, just going out and signing guys, you know. Uh, And the thing is, all those things matter because even in a big market, if you don't have the proper setup, it hurts you. Look at the Lakers for years. They couldn't sign guys because they know what the hell they were doing outside of being able to say, hey, we're the Lakers. (laughs) Yeah. Like, what do you, were, what do you guys have to offer the bus you know, in terms brothers. of analytics and this and this? They, they, they the weren't trying to see the bus brothers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, that stuff matters big or small market, especially in a small market. So, I don't want people to think, well, you know, if, if we were in a bigger market, no, it wouldn't matter. Because if that was the case, the Knicks would sign whoever the hell they want. Another shot at the Knicks. Here we go. Here we go. Oh, Stop taking shots at the Knicks. I took a shot at the, the Lakers, too. I took a shot at the Lakers, too. <laughs> You know, let's be fair. I did take a shot at them. I'll never forget the whole LaMarcus Aldridge 
horrible pitch story. They were like, he was like, what the hell is this? And then they were like, hey, can we have another shot at it? It was like, oh God, this is awful. You know, <laughs> I remember that so, summer. That you was, know, that was a, like for God's sake, the Lakers resorted to making billboards for people who were still like, nah, I'm cool. Well, the Knicks made billboards for people that weren't even on the team, right? Didn't they make a billboard, like some kind of billboard with KD or something like that in Times Square? I don't know what they did, you know, but yeah, they're still the, uh, like I said, your management and all that stuff matters no matter what market you're in. I mean, the Bulls, that's a, that's a, I mean, I mean, I know it's cold, but it's a big market that hell, they're not good. You know, all that, you know, they had to re- tear down their front office this off season, you know? So yeah. you, until you get that stuff right, I mean, Detroit's going, going through the same thing, you know, bringing in Troy Weaver. So, I mean, it's, it's happening around the league and you're going to, I think the Kings would be wise to look around the league and be like, you know what, what works everywhere? No, what not? You know what works that we can adopt? You know, what are the Clippers doing good? What do the Lakers do good? What do the Warriors do? What is Phoenix? You know, look around everywhere, and then just build something that works for you. You know, I don't know if there's one way to do it, but there clearly is a wrong way to do it because they've been doing it wrong for a while. Yeah. Well, Jason. This wasn't the saddest podcast of all time, like the last two have been. This actually, this oh, actually no. made me feel a little better. <laughs> and I, to be honest with you, as a Kings fan, it actually made me feel just a little bit better, a little bit better. You know what I'm saying? Because I yeah, see got a lottery uh, coming wanna... up too. You know, hey, maybe Joe G D gets lucky and you move up to number one or two, and then, like I said, for entertainment purposes, the Sacramento Kings select <laughs> Lamelo Ball. <laughs> That and that Kings fans nice are like, too. you hate us, don't you? You hate us. I'm like, you know what? Y'all got to take the best player. I don't care who he is, who you don't like. You need The Kings need talent. And I think one thing you see Orlando taught you was that all that shit you was being sold about how deep in talent they were wasn't true. Well, I've been telling you that, but y'all got over the hater. <laughs> so, he was right, everybody. You know, I, think, right. I think it showed that you... you, you you rather have too much talent than not enough, and then you got to get this because New Orleans has talent, but they clearly need more. They need structure. They need whatever you know. And it's hard when you got young guys trying to prove themselves. Yeah, that's what Dave Yeager always said. Uh, young yeah. players don't know who they are yet, so everyone's trying to prove they can score twenty a game. And what what does that do? It makes chaos on the court. And I think you saw that with New Orleans. We've seen it with the Kings for fourteen years. So, yeah. Well, Jason, we have uh, the draft lottery coming on Thursday. So, uh, like I said, I'm going to have my my uh, lucky – what do they do? I got my people in New Orleans. They have, like, lucky um, – you know, like, a, not a rabbit's foot. It's usually something crazier than that, like a lucky mini skull or something like that. You know what I I'm almost saying? said beads, but the beads are for something else. Name They're definitely for, for something luck. else, and we love it. I mean, it. I mean you might beads. get lucky with the beads, I suppose. <laughs> I mean, hypothetically. But, you know, man, I don't know what you would do. I don't I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. I wonder what the king's lucky. I don't even know how they're going to do the lottery. Um, I mean, I'm a lucky, a lucky in there. farm to fork. A, a lucky fork. Is that what the, we got out here? A lucky, uh, a, a, a lucky cowbell. <laughs> lucky cowbell no such thing right and, now. and whatever they did in 2018 they got to do again and then i don't, I was in there actually that year and i don't know mm. what and ken catanella was the rep i don't know what ken did i, don't, uh, I think put, ken was just chilling put you on the zoom or something like that put you on the zoom maybe it was jason jones yeah i don't know there let me there yeah, let me you know let me be the king's representative on zoom <laughs> for the lottery you know yeah. with the third so got- pick you know 
That thing, I mean, I think all, I mean, sincerely, all the hell the Kings been through, you know, every time Dallas plays, my damn friends in Dallas tweeted me like I didn't, like I passed Luke. I'm like, damn it, I didn't do it. <laughs> well, hey, look, that's the other thing. I just want to ask you, because I'm hearing rumors, and I don't know if this is true or not, so I need you to um, to tell me if this is true. Now that Vladi is gone, does that mean Luca goes to the Kings? I mean, because that's what it sounded like. I, I mean, I thought that was all that cured everything. Divot's gone, Luca goes to the Kings. Oh, what? That doesn't happen? People need it, to get over yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. They need it, to yeah, get over uh, it. Yeah, and actually, Luca goes to the Kings, and what else happens? Uh, they can go back and take Donovan Mitchell now. <laughs> You know, everything's fixed. And like I said, you know what? It's a bigger problem. It's not just a Luke Walton problem. It's not just a Buddy Hill problem. It's a Sacramento Kings problem from top to bottom. And yeah, yeah. You can make all your Kings customized Luka jerseys all you want. Luka will never be a <laughs> Sacramento need to get King. over it. And, and he, I'm serious. They need to get over it. You know, Luka's a great player. And that's, and that's, and, talent, yeah, and that's my but thing. But he needs so to like, You know on. what? Am, yeah. Am I saying it was a good decision? No. But I'm saying is what good does it do us? To bitch and moan and complain about we ain't got Luca. Luca ain't walking through that door. No. Get over it and deal with the matters at hand, which is you know, Marvin Bagley gotta get healthy, Buddy Hill gotta get out of his own head or whatever the case may be, and figure out, you know, what he has to do to be a more complete contributor. Because I know people have said about Buddy, well, it needed tailor to his strengths. Here's the people gotta know about the NBA. If you ain't a superstar, Ain't nobody tailoring shit to you. <laughs> the hell is that? We we gonna, we gonna tailor everything to our no to no. You get in where you fit in. <laughs> Simple. As that. And if we tell you to do these four things, you do these four. Anybody, you know, anybody they tailoring their offense for Buddy. You know, so I mean, I, I wasn't trying to shit on Buddy, but I mean, I just keep people keep on saying, well, they didn't they didn't give him what he needed to succeed. I'm like they gave him ample opportunity to succeed. They had a lot of wild I mean, shots. To, no, to the point no. where it cost them games trying to give him opportunity. You know, and like I said, I like Buddy, but Buddy's got to hold some, take some blame for some of the shit that happened last season, too. It ain't all Luke Walton's fault. Yeah. Like I said, I think Luke cost them some games trying to build up Buddy's confidence and trust. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I, don't, I don't know where that came from, but maybe it needed to be said. Maybe the spirit moved upon me. <laughs> the and, spirit definitely. <laughs> and that needed to be the in the atmosphere. The spirit definitely moved you. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, great job over the weekend, even without no internet. Great job uh, covering this whole thing for the athletic. And uh, I know you're going to be on it moving forward. So I'm going to be locked in. And y'all need to be locked in not only to the athletic, but J Street Vibes, because we got the man himself right here uh, once, sometimes twice a week in this offseason. We're we, we going to be talking. We're going to be talking. We're going to be yeah, breaking I, this thing I, down. And I imagine we'll be back soon because, you know, we got to see what's happening with the lottery. You know, what if the Kings got it. We'll be here for the lottery. One. And we're going to be here talking about the league too, man. Playoffs start. And I want to, yeah, we got to talk about the playoffs. We got to talk about the play-in situation because I thought Saturday was phenomenal. This needs to be permanent. And, yeah, no. we're we going to talk about that next time. But they got to no. figure out a way. You I'm said going, no? I'm going to end it. No, it should not be permanent. Yes, it should. No. No, you play 82 games. You had your chance. I don't want no damn team to know. Oh, we oh, now we get a shot. No, hell no. That is your shot. This whole damn thing, this whole damn thing was created to get this thing was created to get New Orleans in, and New Orleans fumbled. They fucked it up. 
Hey, playing 82 games <laughs> and getting to two games over 500 is good enough to get you in a play-in game. Yes. No. And I think it needs to no. be seven to no. ten. You're saying that now until the Kings get to the eighth spot and they got to play some team that was injured all year that got healthy at the end. <laughs> and they lose their playoff spot. Lose by 20. <laughs> you'd be like, hold up. They've been in eight, seven or eight all year, and they lose their playoff spot in game 84? Oh, you, you'd be heated. The the playing the playing game, and we'll, we'll dive into this more maybe in the next episode, but the playing game is a lot more exciting than the 4-0 sweep that's that's on their way. It's not going to happen this time because I think the Blazers got some got their live action for the Lakers. But the Blazers aren't your typical eight seed. They're not your typical eight seed, right? Like typically, remember those those games? I think it was last year, Pistons Pistons versus the Bucks. I, I can honestly say I didn't say see a second of those games. Didn't see a there second. Was no need to. But I would have watched the Pistons if they were in a, a seven to ten C play in tournament. I would have watched their asses, but I ain't watching them in no one eight massacre. You know, and the thing is too, that sounds good and dandy till you realize the ten seed has like thirty wins. Like what nobody wants to see that shit in the playoffs. Okay, well the eight seed should beat their ass. They, they get in be, at thirty two and fifty four. Nobody wants to see that. They still yeah, getting they- smoked. The 10 seed should beat their ass. In the West, I think it would be a lot more competitive than the East. The West would be like good basketball. But, yeah, I mean, but if I you're the 8 seed and you really should be in the playoffs, it should be no problem for you to beat the 10 seed. No, so like, so like last year, the Kings should have had a chance to play the Clippers for the 8th spot, even though they were nine games behind the Clippers? Based on what I saw Saturday, yes. That was exciting hell no. as hell. That was hell some good stuff, no. Jason. Hell no. Montrezl Harrell would have had 40 Never. anyway, so it don't matter, all right? He would have had 40 against the Kings, 40 and 20. It don't matter. But, yeah, yeah, they should be in a play-in situation. I love the playing game. I, I, I love I, it. I ain't with it. Keep Take that shit to Europe or somewhere. <laughs> CBA, G League. I don't want to see that. You play 82 I games, damn it. it, we know who's good. We know who's good after 82. Hell, I was fine with them starting the playoffs with these guys. You play Jason, damn near 70 games. No, see, that's where you're wrong. They're not that good. Cause when was the last time we? They don't. They don't happen. They get smacked up. They get mollywopped in the first round anyway. They're not that good. They're not that good where they should be like, well, we shouldn't play in a playing game. They get smacked. They're better every than. Year. They're better. They're better than nine and ten. They're better than barely. Nine and 10. <laughs> Memphis had a three and a half game lead. They wasn't barely ahead. They got to. The, they got to Orlando. Jaron Jackson gets hurt. You know. It just didn't work out for them. But I would have been perfectly fine with them starting the playoffs with Memphis. We got different outlooks on Memphis. I don't think they were going to hold on to that league, whether it was the Kings, the Pelicans, the Blazers. I don't think they were going to hold on to that league. Well, ne- well, ne- well it season. wouldn't have been the Blazers because they wouldn't have had Nurk. It wouldn't have been the Blazers. No. But we'll ne- you know what? Beauties will never know. Playing, I'm pro-playing game. The damn Rona. We're not, we're, like, as Buddy Hill said when they asked him about it after his last game, no, it's not fair. <laughs> Buddy is right. It's not fair. What's not? What did Stephen A. say? Fair is a place where you judge pigs. Uh, true, but it's not fair. No. It's almost nah, it's almost they, like you get, and I you think, know. Jason, you I your, think it's coming It's almost like you this. think you and your girl are together. It's like, yeah, we good, we good. But guess what? 
Oh boy over there. He was almost there. He got to fight his ass just to make sure this shit is going to be written. No. Like, hold up. I thought we was good. Well, I got to fight him now. <laughs> well, he, he asked me out a week after you. I know you did it first, but he was right up there and he, he tried really hard. So I just feel y'all should fight. Like, no. Well, let me win your love back. Let me win your love back. No, I ain't fighting. I, I, Come I, through I, like I, LL in the Love You Better video with the limo and the roses hanging out no, the sunroof. Go to the lottery. There's more fish in the sea. Plenty of, <laughs> get your swipe on, homie. You lost. You sw- well, look, okay, look, get, let me get ask on you this, Jason. Or something. You lost. Let, let me ask you this. I know you don't want it to happen. Do you think it's going to happen? I think they're going to find a way. May not be right next year, but I think they're going to find a way to incorporate something. There's too many. There's money there. There's money to be made. I think I wouldn't surprise that they do it because they've talked about stuff like this before. I just don't like it. I just don't like it. But that, who cares what I like? You know, but it would not surprise me if in the next CBA there's some discussion about, you know, if the team is under 500, maybe they moved. I don't I don't know what you do, but it wouldn't surprise me if they come up with something. I just figured my, my belief is you play 82 games, you know who the top 16 teams are and. That eighth team should not have to prove itself again by beating a team that's like 10 games behind it. We won't miss them. Let's I'll put it to you like that. If they don't make it, we won't miss them. We never Y'all do. saying that now unless that t- that AC was Zion and y'all like, oh, shit, we can't let Zion lose. Yeah, y'all saying that now. <laughs> it's easy to say it now I because it was the Memphis Grizzlies and no AC one cared about the there, Memphis they, Grizzlies. They ain't doing nothing. They ain't doing nothing. And, and that's why y'all them. saying it, because it was the Memphis Grizzlies. No one cares if the Memphis Grizzlies got shitted on and lost their spot. But let that they have really been don't. New Orleans in eight. Let that, you know, y'all have been like, oh, hell no. It would have been it would have been par for the course. That's what happens all the time. I look, you had a chance to play it on the court. You had a chance to you got a chance to play it on the court. And that's 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 my bottom line. You got a chance to play it on the court. Get it done. Yeah, who cares? You know, <laughs> Kings need a GM. <laughs> the Kings and no, they won't be in no playing game no time soon. So Yeah, yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> all right, Jason, six. before you depress me all over again. We up out of here, man. Shout out to the Be Heard platform. Shout out to my man, Damian Barling. Shout out to uh, the producer, Big Rob. And I'm going to just go ahead and and plug myself real quick. Pause. Um, Monday, starting on Monday, August 17th, ESPN 1320. Check out D-Lo and KC. Noon to two. Check us out, man. And and plenty of times, plenty of times, uh, we'll be talking to Jason Jones on there, too. So, yeah. Local radio. Local radio. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So, uh, yeah, that's all I got, man. Jason, it's Kenny Caraway. That's all Carraway. I got, too. I'm ready for these playoffs to start, even though my kids are confused by it. But I'm ready for these playoffs <laughs> to start. They starting on Monday. Let's go, baby. Let's go. So we up out of here, man. You know the vibes. It's Kenny Caraway. Jason Jones. Peace. <laughs>